0: Welcome to the Parkview Church training podcast, where we equip you to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about Parkview or give to our ministry, please visit parkviewchurch.org. So we're gonna think for a bit now about about gender and our bodies and we will have a a break, will be in your near future. So don't worry if you're worried about being, getting deep vein thrombosis during the session or anything like that. Last summer, um, a dear friend of mine was, was on vacation, and he sent the following message. He said, I'm heading to the beach. I'm going to need prayer. And if you didn't know, my friend, you might think, jerk. You know, he's, he's there on vacation in a beautiful place, and he's kind of rubbing it in for the rest of us that we're not. going to the beach, going to need your prayers. Um, but I knew my friend well enough to know that he was being serious. Um, what was troubling him was that he was heading to the beach, and he hated his body. And he said it didn't help that he was going with a couple of friends who he said could have passed for male models and he was feeling very, very self-conscious and increasingly anxious. And so he was asking for prayer. And I mention that because he's not alone in feeling that way. Uh, No one, I would suggest, no one has an entirely straightforward relationship with their body, or if you think you do, it won't be long before you don't. <laughs> um, I noticed a few things changed when I turned 40. Uh, one is that the, the universe just got a slightly too loud. <laughs> uh, the other was that anytime time I found myself in severe pain, I, it was for doing something You know, before I was 40, if I hurt myself really bad, I had a story to tell. (laughs) I was wrestling a shark or my parachute didn't open or something, but I had a good story as to why I was mangled and in so much pain. I had a thing happen a few years ago. I woke up with just some of the sharpest pain I've ever felt in my life, in my shoulder. had someone come round and look, a doctor came round, had an injection of something to, to ease the pain, that it looked like the kind of needle you would use on an elephant. This is what it needed. And I said, What did I do? And he said, I think you just slept on it badly. <laughs> I was like, OK, being 40, where sleeping is now an extreme sport. <laughs> uh, we don't have a straightforward relationship with our, our bodies. Uh, whether that's to do with physical pain, whether it's to do with physical appearance. Um, I've been thinking about this particular issue for a number of years, and it sort of comes up every now and then in in conversation. And and I've noticed over the the years, whenever this issue comes up and I'm chatting to people, they say, what are you working on at the moment? And I say, I'm thinking about the body and what the Bible says about our bodies and how we think about our bodies. I lost count a very long time ago of how many men shared with me their deep unease with some aspects of how they looked. The sense of not measuring up to what we're supposed to look like. And it's an issue everyone seems to be facing, not men and women, young and old. And we seem to be facing it more and more. All the studies on this have shown our levels of anxiety about this particular issue keeps going up. And the reason is all of us have a sense of what we're meant to look like. Uh, When it comes to our bodies, all of us are followers. Someone is determining how we feel about the way we look. Someone is calling the shots. Someone is setting the standards. It might be our peer group, it might be the people that we grew up with, it might be our family, it might be Hollywood movies, it might be social media, it might be advertising. But we're all following someone's standard of what we're meant to look like and it's not making us happier. So again, the question comes to us, what difference does Jesus make? None of us has a straightforward relationship with our bodies. For some of us, the primary issue is health. And in a a group this size, there will be a lot of people who have not just health issues, but chronic health issues. We live in a world where people get sick and where some people stay sick. For some people, it will be a a kind of crushing unease with the way that they look. It will be something to do with body image. For some people, the, the thing they most dislike about their body is the shame they feel, maybe because of what they've done with their body or what someone else has done To their body and of course we're very conscious in our own time of the pain some people experience when it it feels like their body doesn't match who they feel themselves to be a pain we're becoming more and more aware of today so again what is where does Jesus fit into this what difference might he make Um, As a Christian, part of what I assume in life is that there's no part of life that will be better off if we don't follow Jesus. That he's good news for every aspect of life. He's good news for our bodies. He's good news for how we feel about our bodies. And I want to try and share um, a few reasons for why Jesus is good news for how we feel about our bodies generally and then specifically as we think about the whole issue of, of gender and biological sex and that kind of thing. This is a sensitive topic, I'm aware of that. And again, it's, it's sensitive probably for pretty much all of us to, to some degree or another. But here are a few things that I think help us to see why, why Jesus can be good news in this part of life. Uh, a few things about our bodies that a relationship with Jesus helps us to understand. The first thing is that our, our bodies are purposed Part of what we come to, to believe as we, we follow Jesus is that we've been, as I said earlier, we've been made by him, we've been created by him. And, and more than that, we've been created carefully by him. Uh, one of the par- parts of the Bible that most shows us this is Psalm 139, where, where David is, is praying to God and he writes, you created my inmost being." you knit me together in my mother's womb I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made David is is saying to God you you made me but more than that he's saying you you crafted me Um, God has made if this is true by now he's made many billions of human bodies apparently God likes doing that But we're not mass produced. God isn't just clicking, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. Uh, One of the fun things to do if you come and visit uh, lovely England is to go to a city called Birmingham and visit the factory for Cadbury chocolate. Um, I feel a little bit self-aware talking to you guys about chocolate because I say this as a friend American chocolate's not that nice. I'm sorry. I, a couple of years ago, I gave up chocolate for Lent, and I was, I was in the US at the time, and, and someone said, Are you given up chocolate for Lent? I said, yeah, but it means I can still eat Hershey's, because, you know, it's not chocolate. It's some form of edible wax, but it's not chocolate. But, um, and even Cadbury here is different to Cadbury's in the UK. Any time I come over... Um, to the U.S. and I ask friends over here, "What do, anything you want me to bring you from England? Can you bring some chocolate? It's always Cadbury's chocolate. So I'll, you know, have a suitcase that is weighed down with with Cadbury's chocolate. But anyway, you can go to the Cadbury's factory, and this is this is like Disneyland for for people like me. And the great thing is, you, you go there, and part of the the deal is once you've paid your fee, you you pretty much can eat as much chocolate as you want through the rest of the day. There's just chocolate available at every 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 place, they're banking on there being a limit to how much chocolate you actually want to eat in a given afternoon, which is a risky assumption. (laughs) But it's great, because you see these massive machines, these whatever they are, big production machine things, uh, with these kind of conveyor belts, and and you just see this, this thing churning out bar after bar after bar of your favorite chocolate. It's just fascinating to see these you know these things kind of churning out all these chocolate bars but all of them obviously are identical and that is not the case with how God has made us and we just need to look around the room to see that that is the case God is not just good at making human bodies he's good at making different human bodies Uh, we have been individually handcrafted David says you knit me together in my mother's womb confession I've never knitted anything in my life but I have watched people knit and it's wonderful it's so kind of every stitch is you know handmade hand it's, it's so wonderfully labor intensive now David is not saying that our bodies are perfect uh, we know that's not the case but David could still say I have been fearfully and wonderfully made And I want to suggest that is true for all of us. Uh, you are not an accident. I know there are some, some common worldviews today that would suggest that we've, we've just kind of come about purely by chance. But I think most of us sense that we mean our, our, our existence means something. again this is a very tender area for some of us some of you may not have been planned by your parents I know for some people that's a very very sore topic but I promise you you were planned by God no one was a surprise to him No one was unintended by him. God wanted you to be here. And God purposed to make the bodies that we have. Again, that doesn't mean everything about our body is perfect or as it should be. There's a brokenness, again, to our physicality. But we can still say with these creaky bodies, That we've been fearfully and wonderfully made so your body is purpose second thing a relationship with Jesus begins to help us to see is our our body is meaningful it is not simply a lump of matter it is not simply flesh if I can put it this way it's not even simply a container for the real you You are more than your body. You are not just your physicality. You are not just the way you look. The Bible makes that very clear. But at the same time, although your body isn't everything, it's not nothing. Um, In Genesis 2, in the account where God creates Adam, um, God, we're told, creates Adam from the dirt. That's pretty humbling (laughs) and then he breathes life into him it doesn't say that God made a soul called Adam and then looked around for something physical to put that soul into as if the body's just a kind of Tupperware container for the real you no God took matter and animated it so we mustn't think of ourselves primarily as imprisoned souls Uh, we are animated flesh flesh that God has breathed life into and so your body is not arbitrary it's not insignificant it's not utterly peripheral or irrelevant to who you are it may not be the body you wanted for almost all of us in some respect it isn't But it is nevertheless part of God's kindness to you. It is part of how God wants you to be you in this world. Which leads to the next point, that your body is distinctive. It's part of what makes you uniquely you, and not someone else. And I would say you can't truly and ultimately be yourself without the particular body God has given you. Now, I don't know if you remember the movie Avatar, um, came out 2010-ish. There's lots of sequels that have been promised for, well, ages, I don't know if they're actually gonna come at some point. But part of the premise of the movie Avatar was that the the main character, whose name I can never remember, I think it's Scully, which I I thought was the thing from Monsters, Inc. Um, And the guy who landed the plane on the river, which would be a great mashup movie if they could have all of those Scullys in the same movie. But the main guy, Scully, I think if that is his name, he goes to this alien planet where he's, he's able to be given a physical avatar, where he's actually living within the physical costume of that planet's native species. And the kind of unspoken assumption behind the movie is the body's just a costume. You, can, you are no less yourself if you happen to be in the physical form of a Navi, or whatever they're called. Is it Navi? Is that the, that's na- I'm getting that confused with Naboo from Star Wars now. Anyway. Um, be another good mashup. But we can't so separate our body from who we are. We can't entirely separate our body from our identity. Because your body is you. There's more to you than your body, but your body is still you. Um, you know, if there's a movie and... and like a husband is caught cheating on his wife, that the kind of line he will say is, oh, it didn't mean anything, it was just physical. The Bible shows us it means something precisely because it was physical. You don't get to say, oh, well, it was just my body having an affair. Your body's you. Similarly, if your body is mistreated by somebody else they're not just damaging your property they're actually abusing you our body is part of who we are even with all the the, the pains and difficulties that we have and then the fourth thing is understanding that our bodies are sexual God has made us as sexual beings and I don't just mean he's given us sexual energy I'm I'm talking about our biological sex Um, back in Matthew 19 which we were looking at earlier Jesus talked about how God from the beginning has made us male and female I want us to lean into that and just think about what Jesus is claiming there and again I know these are hard matters for for many of us to be thinking about this is an issue of, of pain for many But let me just read to you again those verses from Matthew 19. The Pharisees come up to Jesus and test him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? A few things for us to to note about what Jesus is saying there. When Jesus talks about the Creator making us male and female, he's speaking about physical bodies. That maleness and femaleness. Is embodied. In the account of creation in Genesis 1, we're told God created us in his image, male and female, he created them. Then in Genesis 2, we, we, we're told about the first man and the first woman. So manhood and womanhood in Genesis are derived from biological masculinity and biological femininity, respectively. It's physically grounded, not simply psychologically perceived or, or, or determined. So he's talking about something that is embodied. Secondly, Jesus is talking about something that is foundational. Um, the, the part of Genesis one that he's quoting where we're first told that God has created us in his image. Um, Genesis one verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now here's what's significant about this. It's at the very point we're told that we're made in God's image that our maleness and femaleness is highlighted. Uh, we are not the only creatures on planet Earth to be male and female. Uh, my, my housemate uh, just recently, a few weeks ago, got a, a golden retriever puppy. It's the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. And it's a boy puppy. Um, we've named him Keller, after our favorite preacher. Um, We're not the only creatures that are male and female, but we are the only creature where our maleness and femaleness has this level of significance. It's bound up, apparently, according to Genesis 1, with how we image God. There's something about that differentiation between male and female that helps us better represent God and reflect who he is on planet Earth. Which leads to the next point, which is that that being made male and female is meant to be seen as a positive. It's meant to be seen as part of God's good creation design. Because it shows us that we need each other. In the image of God, he created him. male and female, he created them. The implication is we need both male and female for us to better image God together. And again, I, I think we... There are areas of our cultural life where we recognize that. Um, I was talking to a friend recently and we were reflecting on how if there's a, a kind of global corporation and it's revealed that their board of directors or whatever it is, is entirely male, there's, there's an outcry. The implication is there's something lacking by not having a presence of, of at least one female in that grouping. And it wouldn't do for the board of directors to respond by saying, you're right, there's this, what we have here with this group of guys isn't enough, so we'll just add some, you know, a ton more guys. Now, there's something qualitatively different that will be added to that body of people by having a mixture of male and female. Uh, we need each other. And it's not surprising, therefore, when it comes to the most intimate human team on planet Earth, which is marriage, that there would be something uniquely vital, again, about the interplay between male and female. Uh, There'll be something that a a woman can add to a marriage that the presence of a second male won't be able to add. We need each other. We have, each of us, something that is unique and non-interchangeable. Uh, We see things in slightly different ways and have capacities that we we don't always share and we we complement each other. Now, we mustn't overplay that we're not different species. Men are not from Mars, women are not from Venus. And we see this in the Bible. The vast majority of what God says to us in the Bible, he says to us, is men and women without distinction. So we mustn't overplay the difference. In fact, in Genesis 2, when Adam first encounters Eve, the thing that really lights him up is is not her difference to him but her her correspondence to him all he's had up until now has been animals kicking around and now he's like whoa this is another this is another person this is another human but nevertheless there are differences between men and women that we all need the very fact that the bible says certain things addressed to men and certain things addressed to women shows us that there are are some non-biological differences that are in play here. God, at certain times, has a particular word for men and a particular word for women. There's a difference there which is designed to help us both. We need each other. And so that male-female difference in Genesis 1 is seen to be a blessing. It's a positive. It dignifies both of us. But the final thing to see from, from that verse in Matthew 19 is that that differentiation between male and female is, is not without its challenges. That we live in a broken world. And so our understanding of and our experience of being male and female can often be painful. And we see something of this, at least one aspect of it, reflected in this very passage Jesus um, is speaking in, in Matthew chapter 19. Just after Jesus speaks about marriage and divorce, um, in verse 10, the disciples start saying, well, if, it's, if marriage is like that, it's better not to marry. And then Jesus starts talking about eunuchs in Matthew 19, verse 12, those who were, for various reasons, celibate. And he says in Matthew 19, verse 12, there are eunuchs who have been so from birth. Some people are born eunuchs. In other words, some people are born without the full anatomical kit that you would expect. And it's, I think, striking to me, this was brought to my attention by a friend of mine uh, from England called Andrew Wilson, who's a a wonderful Christian writer. But I remember him pointing out, in, in this very same passage, Jesus is affirming two things. He's affirming that there is such a thing as male and female. And he's affirming that some people are born eunuchs. And both of those things are true at the same time. The fact that God has made us male and female doesn't mean there's no complexity. It doesn't mean everything is straightforward. It doesn't mean there's no pain involved. But the fact that some are born eunuchs doesn't mean there's no such thing as male and female the fact that there sometimes can be some biological ambiguity doesn't mean that male and female doesn't exist. Jesus reaffirms the categories of male and female whilst also recognising that in this world there can sometimes be complexity and pain associated with it. So the final thing, and then I will give us a break, uh, that Jesus can help us see about our bodies is Is that they matter. All of these things that we've just seen show us that our bodies matter. Because what we see in the gospel of of Jesus Christ is not just that God created our bodies, but that Jesus gave up his own body to purchase ours. Uh, This is something we we often miss, I think, in, in the Christian world today, but God is not just interested in your soul. I think sometimes as Christians we have this idea that that Jesus has died and he's come to kind of extract out of me the spiritual bit and he'll take that and then run with that for eternity and the body just will fester and and rot somewhere in a grave. But in the New Testament our eternal future with God is physical, it's bodily. Paul says in Romans 8 that we, we await the redemption of our bodies. Uh, The the New Testament talks about how Jesus has been raised from the dead as as a kind of foretaste of how all of us will be raised from the dead, how his resurrection is applied to those who follow him, that we will be physically raised for the age to come to live in a new creation with resurrected bodies. Which again shows us how much our bodies matter to God. Um, a little while ago, I, I suddenly realized I needed to get, up, get my hands on one of my own books. I needed to look up, look up something I'd written and couldn't find a copy of that particular book. So I did a, a weird thing of going on Amazon to buy my own book and sort of, sort of help no one could see me do that. Um, and then this little Amazon box popped through the, the, the you know, into the mailbox and my husband said, oh, is that, is that yours? Because when an Amazon thing arrives, everyone gets excited in the house and then we find out who it, it's actually for and then it's a disappointment for the rest of us. So this Amazon thing, he said, oh, is that yours? And I said, actually, I said, well, yeah, actually in lots of senses, it's mine. I said, it's mine because I, I bought it. It's also mine because I wrote it. So it's doubly mine. And that's how Jesus feels about our bodies. They're his because he made them. And they're his because through his own death and resurrection, he's purchased them. And so, one of the things Paul says to his Christian readers in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is that we're not our own. We've been bought with a price, and our bodies now belong to Jesus. And in any other context in in the world, to be bought and owned by someone would be horrific. We just don't trust people to own people. That's why we hate trafficking. But when it comes to Jesus, there could not be any better news for our bodies than that they belong to Jesus. Because it means, firstly, if our body belongs to Jesus, the only person our body needs to please is Jesus. Jesus. And so part of my message to my, my friend who was getting ready for his day on the beach was, and it's easier said than done, but I said, the, the people you are worried about seeing you on the beach, they are not the people who have died and risen again for your body. Their opinion doesn't matter. If we belong to Jesus, our, our body's not defined by what we've done with them or how other people see them or what other people have done to them but by what Jesus has done for them. And it's great news for our bodies because it also means that we have a perfect body to look forward to. When we're raised again in the resurrection we're told in 1 Corinthians 15 we will be raised with, with bodies that will be Us, but perfected. Which means for every single one of us, whether we're, whatever age we're at, whatever stage of decline we might feel ourselves to be in, if we know Jesus, our best physical days are ahead of us and not behind us. If you're dealing with something chronic in your bodily pain, whether that's psychological pain to do with your body or physical pain, This is not the only bodily life you have to experience. There is a perfected bodily life that Jesus is offering all of us. And there could not be better news for our bodies.